We start today with outgoing, soon to be retiring senator, a Republican senator, Mitt Romney. Is Mitt Romney the last real conservative of some kind? I don't know. That's probably a bit of an exaggeration. But Mitt Romney has increasingly, particularly over the last months, if not couple of years, been one of the most clear voices on the Republican side, willing to criticize the abortive nature of MAGA Trumpism. Now, this is not our hero. You will remember that at one point it sort of seemed like maybe Trump was considering Mitt Romney for secretary of state and Mitt Romney did the whole thing. He went and had dinner with Trump where they had it was like frog's legs and maybe there was turtle soup. Maybe there wasn't. I don't remember. He did the whole pilgrimage and then it turned out Trump didn't want him. And over time, Mitt Romney has become one of the most critical Republican voices against Donald Trump. He has now infuriated, truly infuriated MAGA over the weekend because he was interviewed on um, uh, ABC, I believe this is. And he said, listen, not only would I vote for most of the Republican candidates over Trump in 2024, I would vote for a bunch of the Democrats over Trump in 2024. And although this might sound like bluster or whatever, this is actually a critical line because we know that for so many Republicans, even those that don't like Trump, it's oh, but I'm not voting for a Democrat. I, it doesn't matter how bad I think Trump is. I'm not voting for Killary or Sleepy Joe. But Mitt Romney is very clear and he says, most of the Democrats are better than Trump, too. Take a listen. Who do you like in the Republican field? Uh, anybody. Um, you know, I, I would uh, I'd be happy to support virtually any one of the Republicans, maybe not Vivek, but uh, but the others that are running <laughs> would. Vivek would be a, a, a bridge too far for Mitt Romney. Would be acceptable to me and I'd be happy to vote for them. I'd be happy to vote for a number of the Democrats, too. I mean, would be an upgrade from, in my opinion, from uh, Donald Trump and and perhaps also from uh, Joe Biden. Uh, look, I like uh, President Biden. Um, uh, you know, I, I find him a very charming, engaging person. There's some places I agree with him, but most places I disagree with him. Uh, I think he's made all sorts of terrible mistakes, but uh, I, I would like to see someone else run. So there's a bunch of interesting stuff here to talk about. First of all, one of the stories being told by MAGA is Mitt Romney is now on the left. Mitt Romney has moved left. He's a Democrat. He's a liberal. He's a progressive. He's a socialist. He's a communist. He's a Marxist. He's whatever. The reality is that Mitt Romney has really not moved. He's still saying I have some areas of agreement with Joe Biden, relatively uncontroversial areas. I mostly disagree with Joe Biden. This is similar to when I say I would choose Chris Christie over any of the other Republican candidates. He's the only genuinely sane person. He's the only one today willing to tell the truth about Trump for a while. He was sucking up to Trump, too. But that doesn't mean I agree with the guy politically. I'm just taking partisan politics out of it and recognizing basic truths. That's what Mitt Romney is doing here. Mitt Romney didn't move to the left. You could say, you know, he's been a little more vocal about concerns about racism, like around the Black Lives Matter movement, but he's not moved to the left in any serious way on any actual policy issue. The change has been that if you go back 20 years or even back to 2012, 11 years when Mitt Romney was the Republican nominee, is that the Republican Party has moved so dramatically to the right to an extreme degree 
My instinct actually is that ultimately Mitt Romney will endorse Joe Biden, assuming, of course, that Donald Trump is the nominee. And by the way, again, record polling for Trump now surpassing 60 percent in the Republican primary. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I expect that Romney will actually endorse Joe Biden and uh, they're waiting on the timing for it to be better, probably once there's actually a Republican nominee uh, and once Biden is the Democratic nominee. That will be the time to do it. So this is not about romanticizing Mitt Romney, a guy who on policy I would mostly have disagreements with much the same way that Mitt Romney says he mostly has disagreements with President Joe Biden. And there's a little vignette here that is very illuminating. Think back to 2012. Mitt Romney's big scandal was he said he had a binder full of women candidates to be on his cabinet inarticulately said the idea of women as objects in his binder. It sounded very bad. That was the Romney scandal. And that seems so hilariously quaint in 2023 and in considering where MAGA has shifted or moved the Republican Party today. So Mitt Romney has not moved left. He's just saying what any actual conservative. I mean, again, remember, what is there that's conservative about MAGA Trumpism? It's reactionary. It uses populist rhetoric, but there's nothing conservative about it other than the vague notion, right? The, the vague notion of let's go back to the way things were in the 1950s. That's the one overlap with actual conservatism that MAGA Trumpism has. But beyond that, there's nothing conservative about it. Mitt Romney realizes it. Mitt Romney doesn't like it. Good for him. I only wish that we had more younger Republicans who aren't leaving public office willing to say this sort of thing rather than waiting until you're 75 and retiring to say it. Adam Kinzinger is doing it. I get it. Liz Cheney to some degree. But these are these are people who are really on the outside at this point. So that's where we are. Good for Mitt Romney. MAGA is triggered. I want to take a, a statement that President Joe Biden made over the weekend about the timing of the October 7th terrorist attack that Hamas pulled in Israel to talk a little bit more broadly about this particular issue of the timing and the cause, because I think it's important to understand this stuff. I have not seen this discussed very much in the sort of circles in which I run. Admittedly, I don't watch any shows that are like mine, but at least anecdotally from what people write in and say, hey, they're talking about this, they're talking about that elsewhere. I've not seen this sort of discussed. And this all has to do with what was going on in the region, in the Middle East on and leading up to October 7th that would have made Hamas more interested in carrying out an attack. Let's listen to what Joe Biden said over the weekend, and then we're going to talk about it. I cannot prove what I'm about to say. But I believe one of the reasons why Hamas struck when they did was they knew that I was working very closely with the Saudis and others in the region to bring peace to the region by having recognition of Israel and Israel's right to exist. Now, you can have any opinion you want about Israel's right to exist or whether Biden would be a credible arbiter of normalization of relations in the Middle East. This isn't about what anyone's opinion is. This is about understanding a sort of structural reality that was happening at the time. 
the US government had been more focused on reinvigorating the peace process. And a big part of the peace process is relations between Israel and other countries in the Middle East. And when you look at Qatar, Iran, Russia and the other players that support the terrorist group Hamas, they benefit from the, mo the, the, the more fractured relations are with Israel in the Middle East, for example, between Israel and Saudi Arabia, as an example, the better it is for them insofar as it generates an environment in which their hostilities will be. You don't necessarily want to say more supported, but less opposed. And in general, it's a better framework in which groups like Hamas through Qatar, Iran, Russia can operate. Joe Biden's efforts here, especially in working with Saudi Arabia, but other regional players as well, were a continuation of something that the Trump administration tried to do with Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner very dishonestly overstates the degree to which he succeeded and to the degree to which he was involved in a lot of that. But Biden has tried to continue some of this normalization of relationships. And a lot of this has to do with getting Arab states to recognize Israel, number one, and then number two, say we will establish diplomatic relations. It doesn't mean that you are allies. It's important to understand this, but it is still a geopolitical shift to have a country say, hey, we used to not even say, oh, we are aware of Israel as a country. Fine. We now are aware of Israel as a country. We are willing to engage in diplomatic contact. We're not allies. If Arab states recognize Israel in this way and normalize relations in this way, it's terrible for the extremists because their radical views fall further out of favor and they increasingly become outliers saying we want to destroy Israel is less extreme if there's a bunch of Arab states that while they don't say we want to destroy Israel, they don't recognize Israel's existence. We're talking in shades of gray here. And so when these relations become normalized, it puts Hamas's view further on the fringes. And so when you have progress towards re regional peace of any kind, when countries recognize Israel's right to exist, it is likely perceived by Hamas as a threat to their objectives, as a threat to their ideology. Now, you'll notice nowhere in here because the brain rot on this stuff has gotten really bad. Nowhere in here am I defending the killing of Palestinian children? Nowhere in here am I defending Israeli settlements in the West Bank? We're talking about geopolitics here. I hope people understand that. And so what we would see as these relations push towards normalization is that those in the area willing to do violence to interrupt that will be more incentivized to do that violence. Iran supports Hamas. So also Iran would not want to see relations uh, normalized between Israel and other Middle East countries. Russia supports Iran, which also supports Hamas. So Russia would also not want to see such normalization of relations. So that picture starts to become clear. This doesn't mean anything Israel does is or isn't OK or it doesn't address uh, uh, proportionality or bombs or anything like that. What we are talking about here is that by launching an attack on October 7th at a time when there are notable peace efforts such as those described by Joe Biden in that statement. Hamas's timing would realistically be 
to disrupt that effort, to draw attention to their cause, to express their opposition to the way that those regional dynamics are, are taking place, and also to generate enough chaos that those discussions around normalization are put on pause. An important aspect of this to understand, it doesn't touch so many of the other elements of this. But when we talk about why October 7, it's an important consideration to, to make. I'm glad that Joe Biden brought it up. I don't know how many people are listening and interested in, in, in considering that, uh, but I think it's worthy of some discussion. We've done it and now we can move on after the break to other elements of this. If you're still trying to think of the perfect holiday gift for your friend or family member, try cannabis. Our sponsor, Ounce of Hope, ships psychoactive THC cannabis products right to your door all over the US. It's all federally legal. Even if marijuana is not legal in your state, they're giving you 20% off for the holidays with the code Pacman. Ounce of Hope has delectable holiday treats with Delta 8 and 9 THC that will bring you a ton of holiday cheer like brownies, Rice Krispies treats, chocolates, caramels, even honey. They have gummies, beverages, soft gels, oils, topicals and CBD. Unlike other companies that sell these products, Ounce of Hope's process is all in house. They grow the cannabis in their mom and pop indoor farm in Memphis, Tennessee, produce all of the products there, too. You can trust that these are high quality, safe products arriving at your door. And when you give someone Ounce of Hope as a gift, you can tell them why Ounce of Hope is such a cool company. Their cannabis plants are fertilized by fish poop from the fish they raise on the farm. The fish poop means it is an aquaponic farm. They do a lot for their community, feeding the homeless in the area, giving to local co-op gardens. Plus, Ounce of Hope supports the work we do at The David Pakman Show, and you can support them. Check out Ounce of Hope at ounceofhope.com. Take advantage of the holiday sale, 20% off everything they offer with the code Pacman. That's O-U-N-C-E of hope.com. Use code Pacman for 20% off. The info is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you nerd wallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to nerd Wallet's smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You know, one of the odd things that goes on in bathrooms in the United States, uh oh, where is this going? Is, you know, when I moved to the US from Argentina, there's really no bidets in the United States. The bidet is just a part of life in Argentina. And why would you make a compromise in the bathroom? Why not have the elevated level of comfort and cleanliness, which is now easy and affordable with our sponsor, Hello Tushy? The Hello Tushy bidet cleans everything with a fresh stream of water, two times better than alternatives like paper. You just spray and pat. It cuts down toilet paper use by 80%. It saves you money. It reduces paper waste. So a Hello Tushy bidet really pays for itself in under a year. 
attaches to your existing toilet. You don't need an electrician. You don't need a plumber. You install it. Takes eight minutes or less. Super easy. I got one and it is fantastic. And with over 100,000 five star reviews, every bidet comes with a 30 day risk free guarantee, 12 month warranty. Stop wiping and start washing. Go to hellotushy.com forward slash Pacman and use the promo code Pacman for 10% off your first order. That's hellotushy.com slash Pacman for 10% off. The info is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman show, unlike much of what you get, maybe through a cable subscription or some of those right wing channels you might find on YouTube, we aren't funded by any large conglomerate or mega donor of any kind. We primarily are funded by our viewers, a tiny slice of our podcast listeners, an even tinier slice of our YouTube or TikTok followers subscribe on our website and pay a teeny tiny bit. Thanks to those people, which we estimate is roughly 0.7% of our audience. Thanks to those folks, we do everything. We fund the studio, salaries, health insurance for staff, all of these different things. The money that comes in through memberships isn't going to repay the investment of some corporate donor or anything like that. It quite literally funds day to day operations. So I would love for you to sign up. It's the holiday season. Hanukkah is coming up. Christmas, Festivus, other things. Uh, consider signing up at joinpacman.com. You can also gift a subscription to someone else. There's a button that says this is a gift. You can check that button when signing out, uh, when signing up and either gift a subscription to someone, you know, or leave it blank and we'll gift it to one of the 800 people on our list waiting for a free membership. Joinpacman.com is the place to do it. The perks are great. You get an extra show every day, commercial free episodes every single day and so many other great things. All right. We have to now contend with a new normal in American politics, which is that the worse things seemingly get for Donald Trump, the better his polling. We are now starting to see the trickle down effect trickling through from people who are bailing on the Republican primary, Mike Pence and others down to Donald Trump. Pence is gone. Others are gone. And Trump keeps climbing. Look at these numbers, that purple line at the top of your screen. That is Trump. Donald Trump today is polling better in this Republican primary than at any time during this primary. And by the way, this is still with two percent going to Tim Scott. Tim Scott is gone. He's dropped out. He's still showing up in the polls. It takes a while for people to be removed from the polls completely. Trump is at 61.6, call it 62%. We have a situation right now where Trump is beyond 60 for the first time in this campaign. Trump has never had more criminal charges against him than he does today. And Trump has never polled as well in the Republican primary as he polls today. Now, is this representative of a deep respect for Trump's ideology from Republican voters? From some, but certainly not from all. Part of this is the growing realization among Republican voters that a lot of the one percenters who came and went with barely, barely a whimper, none of them have what it takes 
to actually win this primary. And potentially they don't have what it takes to defeat Joe Biden either. Hutchinson, 0.5 percent. Burgum, 0.6 percent. Chris Christie with 2.3. Vivek Ramaswamy was meant to be the surging superstar. He got to eight. Now he's back down below five. Nikki Haley may be the one person with some kind of path here is polling 10 much better than she was, but still no credible path anywhere uh, other than maybe into second or third place somewhere. And part of this is the realization among Republican voters. We got to rally around someone. It seems only Trump is the one capable of winning this thing. I guess I support Trump. I don't know. Some of them enthusiastically, some of them not so enthusiastically. Now, I do think it's also important to take a look at what's happening in the early state polling. We are only is it 50 or 49 days away from the first Republican primary votes? We should look a little bit at what's going on there. We have data from the Iowa caucus where Trump is winning easily with 47. DeSantis 17, Haley 14. If you have a hope that someone other than Trump may make a move in Iowa, maybe DeSantis or Haley, but Trump has both of them doubled up. We then go to New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, you could maybe make the case that Nikki Haley has some shot at overperforming. Right now, the numbers in New Hampshire are Trump 45, Nikki Haley 18. If she can pull five more points from Trump and Trump ends up at 40 and she ends up at 23, you're at least not embarrassed out of this race. And Nikki Haley can say, well, I did well enough to stay in. Let's keep going. That would get us to South Carolina. South Carolina is indeed Nikki Haley's home state. So again, thinking as optimistically as possible, if Nikki Haley overperforms in New Hampshire, Maybe by the time the South Carolina primary comes about, she'll have gained five points, which puts her at 23. And then maybe based on the results of New Hampshire, she will again overperform that and maybe could get 28. And if Trump ends up at 39 and she ends up at 28, she's still losing. But I guess she can sort of justify staying in. And then we get further, further away. We get to Nevada. We don't have recent polling from Nevada. Uh, Haley was only at six at the last poll, but that was almost two months ago. So I'm laying out a, a mere hypothetical. The these are edge cases. These are if X, Y and Z all happen perfectly for Nikki Haley and things change. The reality is Trump is absolutely blowing these people out of the water and we may have a different scenario. I'm talking about what's the best case for Nikki Haley. We could have a situation where Trump keeps climbing and next when, uh, Wednesday, December 6th, I forget what day of the week it is. Next week, there's another Republican debate, which certainly Trump won't go to as far as we know today. And if again, all of the candidates left just lose because they're all terrible, uh, Trump may gain another five points. Trump could be polling 70 percent before a single vote is cast. Is it a Republican Party determined to destroy itself? as they have continued to do under MAGA Trumpism in 2018 and 2020 and 2022 and 2023? Is it a Trump, a Republican Party that doesn't know what to do anymore because they can't seem to get away from Trump? And so they're saying, if you can't beat him, join him, join him. It's better than Biden. I don't know what Republicans are thinking right now, but every sign 
points to domination by the guy charged with 91 felonies. Yet another former Trump campaign lawyer, Jenna Ellis, is turning on MAGA and calling it a cult. Uh, This is very interesting stuff. You might remember Jenna Ellis. She's the one who was traveling around with Rudy Giuliani doing the court appearances um, after the 2020 election, making all sorts of baseless arguments that Trump won. It was stolen. They didn't bring the right number of sandwiches. It's proof that they didn't really have the votes or whatever. She uh, pled guilty uh, to criminal charges in Georgia recently, tears streaming from her from her eyes. And she seems to have turned now on Donald Trump and on MAGA. She posted definitely not a cult about the following message. I really don't care who Trump borrowed money from or whose butt he grabbed or anything else. He's a good man and he was good for our country and he has my vote along with millions and millions and millions of other people. This many people can't be wrong. She posted, tweeted about that, saying definitely not a cult, suggesting, of course, that it is a cult. She's obviously right. She's just a few years too late. Now that Jenna Ellis has decimated her own legal career, pleaded guilty in Georgia, been abandoned by Trump, the entire thing. Now that all of that has happened, she's ready to admit this is a cult, something we've all known for eight years, at least five or six, maybe that first year or two. We weren't sure it was a cult. We only thought it was a cult. Also, by the way, I mean, she's just turning on all of her former allies. She also uh, tweeted on Twitter or put out an excretion on X saying, quote, instead of saying, yeah, Roger Stone shouldn't use the C word to describe Casey DeSantis. That's gross and low class. MAGA is actually defending it. This is what happens when you lose an objective moral metric and see the political world only through Trump supporters. Good. Everyone else. Bad idiots. You know, if more Republicans had had that perspective from the beginning, rather than sucking up to Trump, maybe I can get a position of power. Maybe I can become his lawyer. Maybe I can become his secretary of state or whatever. Maybe I can become his VP. And then you let him do the entire thing and you stand behind him and behind him. He's been doing the same stuff all along. And only when it affects you personally, do you now come out and say, these are idiots. This is a cult. These people are disgusting. You eventually got to the right answer, but you did it only through personally having a problem with this guy. I don't care about these individuals in terms of my relationship to them, and we should be evaluating them based on what they do and say, not whether they're still your friends, not whether they pay for your legal fees, as Jenna Ellis was not long ago shocked that Trump actually wasn't going to do so good for Jenna Ellis. She saw the light, right? except she probably saw the light a long time ago, but turned it off and ignored it in order to achieve the personal positions of power that she did. And for a while it worked out. It came back, came back to haunt her. I guess I feel bad for her. I don't know. Donald Trump had an epic meltdown over the weekend as Joe Biden continued to do things, was involved in the successful start of the release of some hostages in the Israeli Hamas war and went to Nantucket, which also wildly triggered MAGA. If you look on TikTok and Instagram, you will see endless MAGA people 
furious that, oh, Joe Biden went and he got ice cream or he got a coffee in Nantucket. How privileged, how, how crazy. Um, take a look at some of these now, but just to, as a disclaimer, it would take an hour and a half to go through all of Trump's insane posts, even the ones that I am going to show you probably don't represent the full insanity because it's all it's just post after post after post, endless posting, uncontrollable nonsense. But just to give you an idea of how triggered and disheveled this guy is and how he spent his weekend as Joe Biden did things. Let's look at a few of these messages. This is all Trump. Our country is in serious trouble. We don't have victories anymore. I mean, listen, things aren't perfect, but Joe Biden's successful diplomatic involvement in the release of hostages seems pretty good. The decline in inflation down to 3.2% year over year seems pretty good. Certainly, we can't say Biden did it, but nothing Biden did prevented it. That's for sure. Stock markets looking okay. You've got unemployment numbers looking very good. Wages are up. Chips Act, Infrastructure Act, more student loan forgiveness than any president in history. I could go on and on and on. It seems like we do have victories. They're just not victories Trump wants to acknowledge. Trump continuing. Oh, really bad news. The owned by China Forbes magazine deal with Russia just fell apart. So China will continue to own and run it and say bad things about your favorite president, me. But eventually it will cease to exist, be worthless, bad writers. Anyone that pays more than $50 million for this pathetic outlet of fake news is a fool. Trump continuing to just take his anger out on his perceived enemies. Quote, Bob Vanderplatz, the former high school accountant from Iowa, will do anything to win, something which he hasn't done in many years. He's more known for scamming capital C candidates than he is for capital V victory, but he's now going around using capital D disinformation from the capital C champions of that capital A art, the Democrats. I don't believe anything Bob Vanderplatz says. Anyone who would take $95,000 and then endorse a candidate who is going nowhere is not what elections are about. If you don't know what he's talking about, I wouldn't even worry about it. Trump continuing, it's so good to see how badly the third rate magazine The Atlantic is doing. It's failing at a level seldom seen before, even in the publishing business. False and fake stories do it every time. They've got a rich person funding the ridiculous losses. But at some point, rich people get smart. Also, Steve Jobs would not be proud of his wife, Laureen, and the way she is spending his money. The radical left is destroying America. This is this is just bonkers stuff. Trump at all hours of the night sending out these troths. And lastly, for us, there's 50 of these, but we'll stop here. Has anybody noticed that Hamas has returned people from other capital C countries, but so far has not returned one American hostage? There is only one reason for that. No respect for our country or our leadership. This is a very sad and dark period of America. Of course, he posted this who knows when. And uh, we are continuing to follow the release of hostages. And overall, it, it is a great thing that Joe Biden was able to be involved in. He's not solely responsible for it, but he was certainly involved. What is happening here is that Trump is sitting around on his phone, seeing that Joe Biden is getting things done and seeing that most of Trump's 2024 and beyond probably 
is going to be going from criminal trial to criminal trial, trying to avoid a de facto life prison sentence. And it's triggering him. And this is what he's doing as a result. Poor guy. If you've been thinking about getting a new mattress, Helix Sleep is where I would start. I've been sleeping on Helix mattresses for years now. I recommend Helix to everyone, which is why I wanted them as a sponsor. If you don't want to take my word for it, Helix has been awarded number one mattress by both GQ and Wired magazine. And one of the things that makes Helix unique is their sleep quiz. I didn't really know what kind of mattress would be best for me. But you do this short sleep quiz. You answer questions about your body type and your preferences, what position you like to sleep in. And Helix will match you with the perfect mattress for you. So you know you're actually getting something tailored to your needs instead of going in blind like most people do. I got my Helix mattress designed to stay cool at night since I hate getting hot while I sleep. Shipping is always free. You get 100 nights to decide whether you like it. For Black Friday and Cyber Monday, Helix is offering my audience 25% off all mattress orders plus a free bedroom bundle. The bedroom bundle comes with two free pillows as well as a set of sheets, even a mattress protector. Go to helixsleep.com slash Pacman. Use the code HELIXPARTNER25. The info is in the podcast notes. Breaking bad habits can be really tough, but Fume is on a mission to make it a lot easier. Now, let me again remind everybody, our sponsor Fume is not a vape. I would not be advertising vapes. There's no nicotine. There's nothing electronic. Fume is just a small wooden cylinder that delivers tasty plant flavored air. That that's all it is. Okay. First of all, people love the flavor, bunch of flavors, crisp mint, maple, pepper, orange, vanilla, raspberry, lemon. Okay, there's the physicality of the device. It fits in your pocket. You carry it around. It gives you something to hold up to your mouth. So if you're breaking a bad habit, the hand to mouth piece of it is a big deal. Your hands want something to do. This gives you that. It also has an adjustable airflow dial and a magnetic end cap which you can just fidget with when it's away in your pocket, which is also useful for some people who are trying to break these habits. Just go and read the reviews online. Fume has transformed bad habits for thousands of people. It's a great alternative for the hand to mouth habit. Start the holidays off right with a good habit. Go to tryfume.com slash Pacman to get the journey pack today which comes with the device and several flavors to try. You'll get 20% off all the way until December 1st when you use the code Pacman. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, let's look at the anatomy of Fox News propaganda. This is a really good one. I love seeing these. It's terribly toxic and destructive overall, but I love the opportunity to point these out and to show them to you. As you may know, we talked about it earlier in the show. Maybe you saw news over the weekend. Joe Biden was in Nantucket. Nantucket is so you've got Martha's Vineyard, which is one island off the coast of Massachusetts. You have the smaller and according to some even more exclusive Nantucket. Nantucket is where Joe and Jill Biden went over the weekend. And while there, uh, 
a reporter from Fox News, Lucas Tomlinson, gave a report that there are even on Nantucket, there are questions about Joe Biden's age. Wow, that's interesting. Biden goes to Nantucket, super liberal place. And even there, people are asking Joe Biden about his age, reports Lucas Tomlinson. Who is it that's asking Biden those questions about his age? It's Lucas Tomlinson. Lucas Tomlinson, the person reporting that questions were asked, is the guy who asked the questions. Check this out. You've got to listen carefully to understand it. This is reporter Lucas Tomlinson saying people have been asking questions about his age. It cuts to audio of the very same Lucas Tomlinson yelling out, are you too old to be president of the United States? Generating his own news. You've got to hand it to him. It's pretty scrappy. Just another way of saying the American dream. Binomics is just another way of saying restore the American dream. Binomics is just another way of saying restore the American dream. The oldest president in U.S. history also continues to face questions about his age, even here in Nantucket. Mr. President, are you too old to be running for re-election? Why is Donald Trump beating you in the latest poll? President Biden faces the lowest approval rating of his. <laughs> See how slick that is? He's like, you know, he's walking around and he's facing questions about his age. Cut to me asking about his age. And then he's there asking about it. Um, this is very dishonest. This is extraordinarily stupid. Even in Nantucket, this is happening. Look at what is going on there. Now, this is why it's really important to understand the language used here. It's very transparent, right? It's the same guy. Questions were asked of Biden. I asked the questions. Of course, they were asked. And I'd now generated my my report by yelling the question. I now am able to report to you. Questions were asked using this passive voice in general. When you hear about faces questions, you should ask from who in general, when you hear sources say you should ask which sources and try to, as I've said before, critically analyze primary sources. And in this case, when you apply that, Lucas Tomlinson, a reporter, is telling us questions were asked about Biden's age. We should go. Let's go to the primary source who asked the questions. In this particular case, we realize, oh, it's Lucas Tomlinson himself. He's both the asker of the questions and the reporter about the fact that questions were asked. People are saying it. Well, you're saying it, Lucas. You're actually saying it as of this moment. There has been no clarification or uh, uh, retraction. I don't even know what you would call it. It's just it's terrible journalism. Uh, but that's what we've come to expect from Fox News. So there it is. Questions were asked by the very guy reporting to you that questions were asked. Also over the weekend, uh, Donald Trump tried going to a college football game and he was brutally booed when arriving. And it is another one of these instances where unfortunately there are people trying to read the tea leaves by listening for boos and cheers at sporting events when politicians go. This is a silly anecdote and also actually brings up some very important issues that I want to discuss. So Donald Trump went to the Clemson, South Carolina college football game. Uh, he was indeed greeted by boos. We have the video here. Here's Trump's SUV showing up. You'll hear jeers and all sorts of stuff. This is supposedly Trump country, right? T take a listen. 
All right. So you get the picture. Trump sitting in his SUV. There's booing. There's jeering. Fine. Not exactly a warm welcome. We can put it that way. But then to be totally transparent, there was there was some cheering. Here is Donald Trump uh, walking onto the field and you definitely hear more cheering here. Now, you still hear some booing and some jeering or whatever the case may be. So listen, here's the here's the deal. I don't think it's as simple as there was some cheering and there was some booing and that's it, because what we have here is we're in South Carolina, which is a red state. You do have a per, an overwhelmingly college age crowd, which is a group of voters to the extent that they vote and many of them don't. It's an it's a group of voters that tends to leave to the left. So. If you hear cheers in South Carolina, you wouldn't be surprised. If you hear boos among college students, you wouldn't be surprised. You then say, well, who tends to go to the football games? There's an argument that those who go to the football games are more right leaning. So maybe the booing is, you know, you could play that game all day long. There's another aspect, which is that in South Carolina, you've got a former governor in Nikki Haley who's directly running against Donald Trump. That could play a role in what you hear when trying to evaluate those essentially voting by booing or cheering. My message is calculating the boos to evaluate how any candidate is doing in an election that is still a little more than 11 months away is something you do at your own peril. And we've seen these discussions where right wingers will see Trump go to UFC with Dana White and whoever else and Tucker and people cheer and they go, wow, how is this guy going to lose? I think Joe Rogan was talking about, oh, it's just an unbelievable. They just love this guy. This guy's a rock star. Most people don't go to UFC and the UFC crowd is not representative of the American electorate. Similarly, neither is a crowd at a South Carolina football game. So what I would suggest is read nothing into this other than it's a representation of the people who chose to boo or cheer who were already at the game on this particular day and say, what I need to do is I need to vote. I can control voting. I can't control booing or cheering in South Carolina. Now, one funny little side note with this funny reaction to Trump getting booed and then cheered. You may remember this guy, Stu Peters. Stu Peters has put out insanely weaponized medical conspiracy theories, including about covid and about vaccines and different things. He put out some funny messages First, he saw that Trump was booed. So he put out the following tweet, quote, Trump arrived to massive boos from South Carolinians at William Bryce Stadium. It's unclear whether the Palmetto state is angry with him over his pro Zionist policies or his incessant push of the covid quote vaccines. Either way, he'll easily win the fake Republican primary. So that was his first conspiracy based on Trump getting booed. Then he sees Trump was cheered. So then he updates the tweet and says the following update. Trump was greeted to raucous applause as he walked onto the field. It's unclear whether attendees forgot about his pro Zionist policies and incessant push of the covid quote vaccine or whether they just don't care. Either way, he'll wipe the floor of the fake Republican primary with Ron DeSodomite and the two Indians, which sounds about right. Racism xenophobia, skepticism of medical science, conspiracy theories, and also 
a hammer where everything looks like a nail. If people booed, here's my analysis. Oh, people actually cheered. Here's the same analysis, just with slightly different framing. That is the epitome of this brain worms thinking that these people are sadly it's sad. I agree that it's sad, sadly plagued by. People in my audience who sometimes struggle with sleep, you know, you've got those habit forming prescription medications, which sometimes have side effects. You've got your herbal remedies that often do nothing. That's why the go to can be melatonin, which is clinically proven to work and without the side effects and the grogginess. Our sponsor beam makes delicious nighttime hot cocoa drinks called dream with melatonin to help you get to sleep. Melatonin can also help correct circadian rhythm disturbances to get your schedule back on track. Like, for example, if you have jet lag, Beam's Dream Hot Cocoa with melatonin comes in great tasting flavors like mint chocolate chip, chocolate peanut butter, sea salt caramel or caramel. Come on. No sugar added, sweetened with monk fruit, only 15 calories per serving. My favorite is cinnamon cocoa. I'll just be up front. It's great to have before bed sometimes. It's hot. Very flavorful, but not overly sweet. It's just a soothing way to wind down like an hour before going to bed. If you want to try Beam's best selling dream powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year. Get up to 50% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Pacman. That's shopbeam.com slash Pacman for up to 50% off. The link is in the podcast notes. I want to tell you about an awesome free weekly five minute video series on the economy. It's called Tycos featuring Richard Vague. The Tycos video series is sponsoring our show today. Richard Vague is an economic expert, former secretary of banking and securities for Pennsylvania. I've always thought that Vague was a great voice on macroeconomics, the U.S. economy, government, individual debt, income inequality. Every week, Richard Vague covers economic topics to keep you up to date with the key economic issues of our time. U.S. debt forecasts for the U.S. economy, economic challenges facing Europe and China, innovative policy ideas. Richard's the author of the economic bestsellers, A Brief History of Doom, The Case for a Debt Jubilee, and his latest book, which I've talked about before, The Paradox of Debt, really fascinating book about how government deficit spending in the U.S. during the pandemic mostly benefited the top 10 percent. Richard Vague is excellent at taking really complicated economic issues, making them accessible to anyone. He does a really great job of this with his five minute video series. It's called Tycos, which you can subscribe to for free at tycosgroup.org slash join. The link is down below. I have something absolutely insane to play for you right now. This is all about AI. This is all about voice replacement. Can we believe what our eyes see? Can we believe what our ears hear? This is really wild stuff. I'll just show it to you. I'll play it for you. It's really an audio thing. And then we will discuss it. I was looking at TikTok the other day and I came across a video about a story that I had done. It was a video of Tucker Carlson talking about how Trump's lawyer, Alina Habba, had liens against her and she had tax warrants against her and her husband. 
And as I'm listening to it, it sounds like Tucker Carlson. It's labeled as being Tucker Carlson. It actually says Tucker is right again. But something sounded a little familiar to me about this report. Take a listen to this. See if you can spot this one for me. Hey, this is sort of funny. You know how Trump is known for not paying debts and not paying lawyers and that entire thing? It turns out that Donald Trump's lawyer, Alina Habba, and her husband have over $1 million in liens and warrants against them. So let me. I heard that. It certainly sounds like Tucker Carlson. It's published as a Tucker Carlson video. Everybody's reacting to what Tucker said. But that two sentences sounded really similar to me. This is from my show the day before. Hey, this is sort of funny. You know how Trump is known for not paying debts and not paying lawyers and that entire thing. It turns out that Donald Trump's lawyer, Alina Habba and her husband have over one million dollars in liens and warrants against them. So let OK, you see what's happening. OK, my video, I'm used to people stealing my content. But it usually still is said this is David Pakman talking some kind of AI tool and you can train these tools with one person's voice and then give them a script. OK, they've taken my clip and Tucker Carlson my voice. Let's go back to the Tucker. Now, once you know it, you can tell it's my cadence. It's my way of talking with Tucker's tone. Explain what this is. A lien is a legal right or interest that a creditor has in another property because they have an outstanding debt. So so that's Tucker. Here's me. Let me explain what this is. A lien is a legal right or interest that a creditor has in another property because they have an outstanding debt. So, OK. What do, what do we say about this? What do we do about this? Uh, this is not about, oh, they're stealing my megahertz, right? I mean, it's like, OK, yes, they, they've stolen my content. My content gets stolen all the time. Um, this is going to be a problem in forthcoming elections. This is going to be I mean, you could take anything I said and make it sound like Tucker said it either to enrage or to titillate or to entertain. You can do this essentially with anybody. And if you look at the comments here, nobody seems to know that this really isn't Tucker. People are saying, oh, Tucker said this. Tucker said that he's what about Biden? This thing, the other thing. Oh, you misspelled a couple of different there. I have not seen a single comment here from anyone questioning that this is actually Tucker Carlson. Some saying, oh, wow. So Tucker is actually now calling out Trump or. Oh, wait, hold on. One person said, it. oh, look, look at this. Here it is. One person, one person says that's not Tucker Carlson speaking. Nice try, lefties. And the creator says, I thought hearing it in a familiar voice would make it resonate more for you. So I so we found one comment here where they seem to be acknowledging that it is someone else, me, who has been turned into Tucker Carlson. I don't know what else to say. This is something we are up against. We knew that as the technology improved, this sort of stuff was going to start happening. It is now happening. And I guess we leave it there for now and figure out how to deal with this.
All right. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it. And then here's my only request. You tell me whether I should do stuff like this. Over the weekend, our team found a handful of clips of me being criticized by other people ostensibly on the left for things I supposedly said about the Israeli Hamas conflict. Fine. Uh, in general, I don't do tit for tat. Let me generate a war and respond to this stuff. I'm in, what I'm increasingly doing is not reacting to the vast majority of this stuff and really trying to take on a personal level an attitude of, hey, you know what? Not everybody's going to like me. If I find out someone who I don't know doesn't like me, it doesn't really affect my life in any way. And really, in addition to barely posting on social media anymore, really trying to consume the information that I believe is worthwhile, reading a ton, primary sources, doing my commentary and really tuning out the noise, because it's important to remember none of this stuff is real life. The fact that someone I don't know on the Internet doesn't like me really doesn't matter. And so it's important. And the way I've been thinking about it is in 10 years, will I regret it if I don't respond to random people on the Internet who don't like me? I don't think so. So I'm increasingly not engaging with this stuff. I am going to respond to one of these because it's the only person who said something in these clips that I actually know who they are. The other ones my team found. We have no clue who these people are. There's a guy named Vosh. Some people know him as Ian Vouch, who has a channel. He's been on my channel. I've been on his channel. So he attacked me and I'm going to play what he said and I will talk about it. And you tell me, is this a complete and total damn waste of time? Or is this in any way useful? Okay, so let let's take a listen. And just so you know, when he says Deepak, he's referring to me. There are some communities that refer to me as Deepak. Uh, okay, so let's listen. Did you say Deepak do just that? Deepak has always had really stupid uh, opinions when it comes to Israel. When I raised a bunch of money for the Palestine Children Relief Fund, he like offhandedly said it might be going to Hamas. Okay, so let's let's start there. My opinions are stupid very difficult to respond to. No, they aren't, bro. Your opinions are stupid. No, your opinions are stupid. Not very substantive. My opinions are stupid. Then he says, I said the money he was raising was going to Hamas. Now, I looked for this. This was years ago where someone on my stream said, are you joining Vouch's fundraiser for X group? I didn't recognize the name of the group. And what I imagine I said, and I admit, I don't remember. I remember the event. I don't remember exactly what I said. What I imagine I would say is I am super careful about fundraising for any charity until I know damn sure everything about it. There are so many charities that we later find out it sometimes are funding Hamas or other groups. There's the Holy Land Foundation for Relief and Development. Turned out money was going to Hamas. The International Relief Fund for the Afflicted and Needy turned out money was going to Hamas. So if I said it, I would not have said Vouch is giving money to Hamas. If I said anything along these lines, it would have been, I don't know about that group. I'm super careful before I join any fundraiser. And in particular, in this case, because of that, there's nothing wrong with raising money for Palestinian kids. I'm just by nature skeptical of charities 
especially in opportunistic, fast moving situations. I wasn't able to find what I said. Let's continue. Here is Vouch's critique. My my positions are stupid. OK, he's always been like a Zionist parentheses negative. I've always been a Zionist. Now, again, how can I respond to that? Because at this point, Zionist as a word has essentially no meaning. I'll explain to you how the conversations usually go. You're a Zionist. Oh, okay. What exactly did I say? Well, you said you like the bombing of Palestinian kids. Oh, really? When did I say that? Well, I don't know. It's not that you said it, but it seems like you aren't as worried about. Okay. Zionist is a really silly term right now because some people use the term as an insult, as an attack. Very few people use it to describe any cohesive set of ideas. So, for example, some people will simply say. I don't think it's legitimate to suggest that Israel as a country be eliminated to solve the Israeli Palestinian conflict. I'm one of those people, right? For me, the solution isn't going to be the destruction or elimination of Israel. The fact that I think Israel has a quote right to exist to some people makes me a quote Zionist. For others, Zionism means I believe Israel should take the entire Palestinian territories or I believe Israel should build more settlements or things I don't believe. So Zionist in this context tells us very, very little. What I can tell you is I'm against the illegal settlement in the West Bank. I want to stop the Gaza blockade. I want all violence to stop. I am an opponent of Benjamin Netanyahu's Likud party at just about every step. I don't believe Benjamin Netanyahu will ever be an arbiter for peace. I don't believe Hamas will either, by the way. So those are my views. But again, all it, I've, I've been called a Zionist and it's been used as an insult. And my positions have been called stupid. Okay. Got mad at me when I said that before, but like literally, he's literally like, like taking the worst possible positions on this. Apparently his community. He won't name any of the positions. Unity is going after him for it, too, because like, yeah, it's getting increasingly unpopular to be just like a bloodthirsty psychopath when it comes to the ongoing destruction of the Palestinian people. There you go. I'm a bloodthirsty psychopath and my own community has turned against me. So listen, in terms of my community uh, uh, turning against me, you know, I've talked about a bunch of people canceled memberships. More people started them. We have more of a following on every platform today than we ever have in history. Okay, the show is bigger today on every platform and we have more members today than we have ever had. You evaluate whether my community is turning against me. And, you know, when we when we start hearing stuff like bloodthirsty psychopath, I consider those ad hominems. I would love to get a list of the psychopathically bloodthirsty things I've said. So. There's not much to respond to. I'm not going to do any ad hominems on Vouch. I'm trying not to engage in this stuff. I'm trying to just demonstrate. Look, here's an attack. It's not substantive. It's ad hominem, bloodthirsty psychopath, stupid opinions, etc. There's no substance for me to respond to. And people can judge for themselves whether they think these are reasoned critiques or not. Um, I'm disappointed in Vouch. I am, um, but I'm not going to respond in kind. I have no interest in ad hominems beyond there is very little substance there. Here's the bottom line. I'm fine being disliked. 
this is my new it's sort of been my New Year's resolution, but I made it uh, like six and a half, seven months ago. I was on a particular trip and I read a really interesting Japanese book, Japanese philosophy book called The Courage to be Disliked. And I've really revised my views on a lot of things. I'm not everybody's going to like me and that's okay. And in particular, people whose views are so different than mine, like it's not super likely socialists are going to like what I have to say about a lot of things. That's okay. We can all exist. We don't have to resort to ad hominem. Sometimes people do, but we don't have to. And I am going to continue making an effort not to stoop to the ad hominems to keep doing my thing. And I think I think the show is going to keep growing, by the way. We're down to our last 14,000 YouTube subscribers before we hit 2 million and enter a, a class that has only two people in it right now, Brian Tyler Cohen and the Young Turks. We will soon become the third of three left YouTube channels with over 2 million subscribers. That's a positive thing that we can be excited about. All right, we have a voicemail number. That number is 2192 David P. I am going to warn you, here's one of the most disgusting callers we have ever had sort of talking about my take on new Argentinian president Javier Milei. He doesn't like my opinion and he goes really ad hominem. Hey, man, I'm watching your uh, review of the uh, Javier Milei winning. You're calling him a lunatic. Maybe you're a little lunatic, man. And you look like a fat too. Oh. Why do you think that the Trumpism and the movement with Malay is titillating in Europe and Argentina? Maybe because you fucking socialists fucking ruined the country and you move on like parasites. You should get the fuck out of this country. Uh, so I'm not a socialist and I'm an American citizen. Um, interesting that socialists are really angry with me for my views about Joe Biden. And then the right wingers are furious with me because they say I'm a socialist. Hmm. You're going around trying to seduce and titillate socialism and have you. No, I'm not a socialist. In fact, when socialists call in, I explain to them why I'm not a socialist. Hundreds of government departments and all kinds of bullshit, which is what sunk Argentina. And they're doing it here right now. And they're getting people like you to come into the country to help. So I've been here for 30 something years. They're not getting nobody got me to come into the country, first of all. And Joe Biden's not a socialist. So the socialists are furious that Biden's not a socialist. The maggots are furious that Biden is a socialist. It's very interesting. Steal from the country. You're a rude, offensive. And I think you're a secretly gay guy. You look really gay with that mustache. Yeah. Looks like you could put a ball sack in that big, ridiculous smile of yours. Yeah. Uh, we will continue growing the show. I would encourage anybody who's like that guy, just unsubscribe. I don't need to hear from you. Okay. We'll keep growing doing what we're doing. It's not socialism, it's also not right wingism. Very clearly, I mean, last week I just did a whole segment explaining what is the worldview here? What is the worldview on this show? Already explained it, Um, but that's sick stuff. Okay, that's what we're up against. And by the way, why is there always casual homophobia? Like 
if I were gay, why is that bad? Why would it be bad if I were gay? At this point, it's it's so childish when you hear, by the way, we know exactly who this guy is. He's in his he's in his 40s. His name's Aaron. I'm not going to tell you anything else about it. When you hear grown men in their 40s act as if saying someone is gay is an insult, they must be leading really pathetic lives. We have a fantastic bonus show for you today. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Yeah. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Let's do it. We'll talk about Derek Chauvin being stabbed in prison. We will talk about the Elon Musk lawsuit of Media Matters. And we will talk about George Santos saying he expects to be expelled from Congress. Get access to the bonus show. Support what we're doing. Sign up at joinpackman.com. 